1: You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction.
3: And now, we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
4: Hi,
3: and welcome to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, and I'm with my lovely wife, Debbie. We are filling in for Will and Miki this week, and we've been having a great time. And uh, just to let you know a little bit about me, in case this is your first time to tune in this week, I am the pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas. I have been here for 17 and a half years, came from the Houston area, from Champion Forest Baptist Church, and we have seen God do great and mighty things in our church and throughout the different ministries of our church and make an impact on our community. And in 2005, God led me to start a radio and television ministry that was a a national ministry that went international, and God has blessed. And we are very privileged and pleased to be able to partner with American Family Radio for the last several years, and we broadcast every weeknight at 6 o'clock Central Time. And uh, we've been doing that for several years now, and it's just been a great, great blessing. And hopefully, it's blessing the listeners. Well, Debbie and I have been talking about the home sum this week, and and uh, for this Friday, we want to talk about this subject: smart parents in an age of smartphones. We know that uh, parenting is a challenge in any age and in any era, but it's especially challenging now in this age of technology.
5: Remember that book, that James Dobson book, that parenting isn't for cowards?
3: That's it, definitely true.
5: Definitely true.
3: Parenting is hard, and uh, it is especially hard if you're a single parent. My heart and Debbie's heart, we it goes out to uh, to single moms, single dads who are trying to do everything. And uh, the the reality is uh, it's, a, it's a two-person job uh, to be a good parent. And if you're doing it by yourself, God can give grace and does give grace, but it's just that much more difficult. So to be a smart parent in an age of technology, uh, one thing doesn't ever change, and that is just the basics of parenting. Right. And uh, regardless of whether you're parenting in the 1700s or in 2020, some of the basics of parenting they don't change at all and uh, one of the basics is marriage is still key and we've talked about that this week you you cannot let the kids become the ceo of the home marriage has to be unless the lord builds the house they labor in vain who build it psalm 127 verse 1 your marriage has to be built on the lord your family has to be built on the lord and his word and the marriage has to be the main thing in the home because kids get so much security from that
5: right and i think uh, studies have shown that homes that are child-centric and that that focus on the children raise unstable and very entitled children and um, I think we can see the results of some of that in our culture today. We have a lot of entitled children out there. Um, if any teachers are listening, they would say a hearty amen to that, I'm sure. Um, and that's that's part of the results of make, making homes child-centered, not marriage-centered.
3: Right, and and it's good in your home to uh, to show affection to your spouse in front of your kids. I'm not talking about going overboard, but... Uh, But hugs and kisses and things like that. As your kids get older, they'll they'll act like it grosses them out. right? And uh, you'll hear the you know, hey, get get a room.
5: Yeah, I remember ours did that to us once. And we looked at him and said, we have a room. It's right over there.
3: (laughs) So uh, but so they'll say those things. But really deep down, they love that because that gives them security because they say, hey, you know, mom and dad still love each other. And that is so important. So marriage is still the key, regardless of what age you live in and uh, era you live in. Consistency is key in parenting.
5: Yes, consistency is hard because anyone that's been a parent for more than an hour knows that it's exhausting. Parenting is exhausting. And um, I remember never thinking really that I had a problem with selfishness until we had Jill. We had our oldest daughter. And within a day of having her, I realized, oh my goodness, I am so selfish because all of a sudden I didn't get to do the things I wanted to do when I wanted to do them. I had to do everything that this six pound little person (laughs) dictated that I do. And so I think in parenting, you can get so worn out that you can let your guard down and you can not be consistent. And it is so significant that you be consistent and take the long look. Because if you're just looking at having a short reprieve, you know that can be okay for the moment, but the long-term effects can be bad if you're not consistent in your parenting. Your kids need to know that your yes means yes, that your no means no. Right. um when when you make a rule, you're going to, unless you're have died or you're in the hospital <laughs> on a respirator, you're going to make sure that you, make them adhere to that rule. And so that's why it's important to pick your battles. You know, you can't just make everything a a battle, a hill to die on, but it's so important to be consistent.
3: Right, especially with discipline. So if you tell them, hey, if you do this, you're going to have these consequences, you need to follow through on those consequences. Because if you don't, then your kids learn, well, mom and dad, they talk a big game, but they never follow through.
5: I can still remember when our kids were little, um, when you – would watch him when I had to be gone for something, you would say things to them similar to this. And I'm probably not going to get this exactly right, but you would say, Okay, girls, I just cleaned that room. You were never going to play in there again. <laughs> okay. Or something like, Okay, you left your bike out. You can never ride your bike again. And I can remember thinking, Jeff, that's never going to work. They know you're not going to stick to that. You yeah. know, so it, it is important that you don't. Uh, over promise, you know, you over dictate a rule, and that you can't back that up and have follow through with that.
3: Yeah, it's very hard in parenting uh, to not parent and have some anger come in there, sure. because little kids can really, mm-hmm. well, older kids can too. They know
5: but what buttons to push.
3: Yeah, they can exasperate you. You know, the scripture says this: "Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you." and that you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's from Ephesians chapter six. You know, Ephesians five talks about marriage, and it, it, uh, then it talks about uh, the relationship with the parents and the children. Now, to have a good marriage, to have a good relationship with your children, before any of that is discussed in the book of Ephesians, the scripture says, and do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. The Bible is basically telling us, the Lord is telling us, you don't have what it takes in and of yourself to do this. You need my spirit to enable you to have a godly marriage, to enable you to have a godly home. And you know, one of the other things that is so critical when you're training up your children in the fear and instruction of the Lord is to be an example to your children of what a Christian really is.
5: Well, and I think it's important to note in that verse too that it that admonition is to the fathers. Right. Right. And so, so often um, it seems that that spiritual development and spiritual education within the home is kind of left to the mother to do. Right. And it's so important that your children see the father leading the home in that area of spiritual development that is so significant in the life of a child.
3: It's, it's extremely important. Uh, the phrase and the saying goes, uh, unless a child can find some of God in his Father, he's gonna have a hard time finding uh, the Father in God. And so you, you talk to people, I have the privilege of speaking to uh, women at our Bowie County Women's Center and haven't been able to do that now for several months because of the coronavirus. But uh, so many of those women have been sexually abused, and uh, male figures in their lives, people that should have been trustworthy, were not trustworthy. And so it makes it very difficult for them when you talk about God being our father. Uh, they're like, oh, father, that's a bad word because the only father figures I've ever known have hurt me. And so It's really important, Dad, that you be a man of God and be an example to your kids. This is how you love your spouse. This is how you lead your family. Uh, There's a poem I like that says this, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather you go with me than merely point the way. The eye is a more ready pupil than ever was the ear. Good advice is often confusing, but example is always clear. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. And Dad's our challenge from the Lord is to be a sermon to our wives and to our children so that they could see Dad they know Dad's not perfect, but they need to see that Dad is genuine. And Dad really loves the Lord and Dad walks with the Lord and Dad is uh he's doing what the scripture says John three thirty, as John the Baptist said concerning Jesus, he must increase but I must decrease. And that's the Christian life in a nutshell. The Lord, the Lord gets more and more of us and we let him dominate our lives in more and more and more areas. And then you see less of me and you see more of Jesus.
5: Well, and I think in in parenting, we just all make mistakes. You know, I mean, there is not such thing as a perfect parent. And, um, I always say that our kids turned out way better than we parented because our all three of our girls are just fabulous young women and we made a lot of mistakes I mean we did a, we did a lot right but we did we made mistakes as well and God was very gracious with us in those mistakes that we made but when we did mess up we came before them and we humbled ourselves and we apologized if we over disciplined in a situation or if we um, got something wrong and we we punished a situation that really there wasn't anything to punish there
3: or punish the wrong one or,
5: yes or punish the wrong one which happened a lot um but we just came before them and or if we uh, maybe we modeled something in front of them that wasn't a godly trait that we wanted them to to have we would come in front of them and say okay in this situation man mom really blew it i when i said this or when i did this that was wrong that wasn't honoring to the lord and i've asked him to forgive me and i i want you to forgive me as well because that's not the example that i want to set before you and um kids are very gracious and they truly are very forgiving when you come before him humbly like that
3: well your kids know you're not perfect right and no one is the best parent james dobson uh, he, he wasn't a perfect parent, and uh, you're not, and I'm not, and Debbie's not. So you, what you want to be is genuine. right? And so your kids know you're not perfect, but they have to see that you're genuine. They have to see that it's real. Kids despise hypocrisy. And if you're a hypocrite, if you're one way at church and a different way at home, you're turning your kids off to the Lord. because. They just say, "Well, this Christianity stuff is—it's just a bunch of talk, and it's not a—not a action. It's not walk, and so they need to see that you walk it out." And let me say one other thing: There's a great verse in Scripture in Proverbs 27. It says, "Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds." Now, that's a great verse about parenting, because when it says When it says, know well the condition of your flocks, the word for for condition in the Hebrew is panim, which means face. And and see, every, every dad is a pastor of his kids, and so he needs to know well the face of his children. He needs to know when they're hurting. He needs to spend enough time with them, and mom too, to know if there's something going on. We can get so busy in life, in this next segment we're going to really talk about the the smartphone situation, but we can get so busy and so caught up in things that we miss the hurt that might be there in our child's face. And so I always encourage dads, listen dad. It's a team effort, but the command to raise up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, that is to you. Now, your wife, you can't do it without your wife. She is there to help you, but uh, you do it together, and you need to take your part. And I always encourage dads, if at all possible, you put your kids to bed at night. You're the one that prays with them. You're the one that reads them Bible stories at night. They need to see that, hey, this is this is true in dad's life, and, and dad loves the Lord, and, and dad knows the word of God, and dad is praying with me, and dad is calling my name before the throne of grace. That goes uh, such a long way in developing a spiritual hunger in your child for the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we come back after the break, we're going to talk about Uh, the smartphone era and how that has made such an impact on the home and in parenting. So we'll look for you after the break.
0: A judge in Nevada said that casinos had more rights than churches do. The culture war rages in America.
4: We have to be very, very
1: suspicious of this transition in our society that's being forced on us by
0: um, movements like Black Lives Matter and TEFA. It's a threat to our families, a threat to our future as a nation. And so what we see happening in our society is the empowerment of the spiritual darkness that will allow the slaughter of children. Hosted by Walker Wildman, the upcoming AFA at Home virtual town hall brings vital insight from defenders of the faith, Dr. Richard Land, Star Parker, Abraham Hamilton III, Sandy Rios, the Benham Brothers, and Tim Barton. AFA at Home streams live Thursday, October 8th at 7 p.m. Central at afaaction.net. Register for free at
4: afaaction.net. This is a spiritual battle and we all are required to toe the line and take a stand. Well, these are certainly tough, tough times, aren't they? Hi, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, engaging the world with God's Word for more than 80 years at only $5 a Bible. You know, I'm grateful that God has given Bible League a platform for more than eight decades to address the other pandemic, and that's the shortage of Bibles all over the world in places like Asia, Africa, the Middle East, and Latin America. In fact, at Bible League, we determined that as few as one Christian in 10 has a Bible. What's that mean, that during this pandemic, many evangelical Christians elsewhere in the world cannot open their Bible and be reminded of God's promises like 1 Peter 5-7, cast your cares on Him for He cares for you. But you know, during this time of sheltering in place, we can shelter in grace. Learn how you can be a blessing to believers around the world praying for a Bible by visiting sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org or by calling Bible League at 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D.
0: A Moment of Truth with Gary Bryden of the Association of Independent Methodists. I try to be polite, but not politically correct. Political correctness stifles debate of contrasting ideas and hinders truth. A free society prospers when opposing ideas are fairly and openly discussed. Freedom allows each side to express and understand each other's view and to try to persuade others to accept their point of view on the basis of truth and logic. To suppress one point of view through political correctness destroys a free society and destroys the ability to discern and discover truth. To suppress truth is the opposite of what Jesus came to do. It was Jesus who said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." The Association of Independent Methodists, like-minded congregations doing together what can't be done separately, visit
3: aim2020.com. Welcome back to the broadcast, Pastor Jeff Shreve here with my wife Debbie, filling in for Will and Mickey, on airing the Addisons. I want you to mark this date Thursday night, October eighth. That's uh, this coming Thursday, seven to nine. It's a virtual town hall. You might have heard about that in uh, some of the the ads, but it's going to be with Walker Wildman, the AFA uh, vice president. We're going to have special guest Tim Barton of The Wall Builders, Dr. Richard Land, the Benham Brothers, Star Parker, Abraham Hamilton III, and Sandy Rios. And in this virtual town hall, we're going to talk about pre-election things. We're going to talk about the sanctity of life and how important that is. We're going to talk about judges. We're going to talk about religious liberty and socialism and Marxism and other issues that are critical to this election. So go to... AFA.net, and you can find out more information and sign up for this town hall, this virtual town hall. Debbie and I are looking forward to it. It's going to be a great time. Well, we've been talking about parenting in this, uh, in this time, in this session, and now we want to shift gears into the smartphone era. Mm. So the smartphone, Apple came out with their smartphone in 2007. And it, it exploded on the scene and became um, something that everyone had to have. Some kind of a smartphone, whether it was Apple or another company. But as many as 77% of the population, probably at least that many, mm-hmm. have a smartphone. And 75% of teenagers have a smartphone.
5: Well, now even children right. have a smartphone.
3: Right, Tweens have them and it's almost like you can't live life without a smartphone you know when when i went off to college it was by mom and dad i'm i'm going to college now and i had to drive for 3 hours and you know you didn't think about well what happens if i have a problem I was like well your parents wouldn't know there was no way mm-hmm. to contact them cuz you didn't have a a phone back then but it's interesting with the advent of the smartphone in 2007 and then also social media all that kinda took place at the same time Facebook launched in 2004 and YouTube was 2005 and then MySpace was 2006 So all these social media outlets began all about the same time that you had the smartphone well they noticed that uh, there was an increase in suicides an increase in depression, an increase in anxiety, especially in teenagers. And so things have uh, gotten better in some instances, for sure, with the technology, and they've taken its toll on the users. And kids today grow up uh, with with this insecurity about how many friends do I have, how many likes do I have, uh, how many positive comments. So much more pressure.
5: You know, when our kids were growing up, their phone was a phone. I mean, they could text people on it, but they didn't have access to the Internet. They didn't have access to all these other things. And so if they took their phone in their rooms, we didn't have to be very concerned with that. Um, But in today's age of parenting, there's so much more... Uh, that has to be thought about and has to be considered and has to be policed uh, than when our kids were growing up. Uh, There was a study done by a group called Common Sense Media, and uh, they kind of – sought to figure out what what kind of usage are teens using in their phone? How many hours a day is the average teen on their phone? So they found out that those ages 13 to 19, on average, they were on their phone seven hours and 22 minutes a day in a 24-hour period. And they found that tweens tweens, those that are between the ages of eight and 12, they were on their phones four hours and 44 minutes, so almost five hours. So there wasn't this huge discrepancy in time usage between a teenager and the tweens. And if you think about all that is out there, and the predators that are out there Mm -hmm. on social media, to think that an eight or nine year old is subjecting themselves to that, and they don't have near the maturity or wisdom to know how to deal with that. Boy, that's when parenting takes on a whole different level of responsibility.
3: Well, and when it comes to your phone or your iPad or something like that, I mean, parents are just as susceptible uh, as kids are. And uh, there was one 13-year-old that was asked by her teacher about her evening. What's gonna happen uh, this evening as you go home? Just making small talk. And the girl said this, I'm going home to watch my parents stare at their phones until bedtime. Mm. I, that, How sad that's a sad situation. but that's that's what happens in so many homes where uh, it they don't have dinner together, which is a key component of building a a strong family is spending time together talking with one another. They just look at a screen all day. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know when whenever they have free time, that's what they're doing, looking at a screen. And that 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 screen just seems to call to us. Hey, come look at me. And we have notifications and things pop up. And this person messaged me. And Facebook will tell you, hey, somebody sent you a message. You need to get back with them. And so they try and suck you in to where you're just totally addicted to this.
5: Well, you know, there's a fantastic documentary on netflix right now called the social dilemma and it talks about the um, different algorithms that are written and programmed specifically to manipulate people into spending more time on facebook more time on social media and uh, if you have not viewed that documentary it's very very informative and very thought-provoking
3: it is and and uh, you know the thing about smartphones they're powerful tools And they can be used for great things. I listen to sermons all the time on my phone when I'm walking, when I'm working out.
5: Well, and think about what we would have done during this um, quarantine if we wouldn't have had that to be able to watch our churches online and different things. So God can use it for good, absolutely.
3: Right. But just like anything, it has a dark side. And the dark side is it can open the door to all sorts of evil with pornography and things like that. It can open the door to addictions, online gambling and things like that. Um, And The thing that it does more than anything is it distracts you. Um, It is a distraction and and it just draws our attention to this little screen and that's all we look at. Uh, Very interesting little statement that was made in the book Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory from 1964. It's a line uh, or a little soliloquy from the Oompa Loompas in that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And it was about television. And it says this, It rots the senses in the head. It kills imagination dead. It clogs and clutters up the mind. It makes a child so dull and blind. He can no longer understand a fantasy, a fairy land. His brain becomes as soft as cheese. His powers of thinking rust and freeze. He cannot think. He only sees. That's for television. Right. And now we have the smartphone. And uh, so much more powerful, and opens the door to so many more things that are dangerous for well, children.
5: Well, and there's they're showing now. Studies have been done that show that this usage of the cell phone has so many harmful effects for young kids and for teenagers. It it disrupts their sleep. Okay, they see that the blue light effect when they're on that screen for too long. It causes hyperactivity in children. Um, It can cause a lot of emotional and behavioral problems. And this is interesting. It promotes just kind of a sedentary lifestyle, which we're seeing is leading to more and more childhood obesity because kids don't get out and play. They don't get out and exercise. They're just kind of tied to the phone or tied to a video game. And then it really inhibits just their social development because they don't learn how to communicate face-to-face, voice-to-voice. It's all done through text messaging, right. and that can be so misconstrued sure. and so misunderstood. Right. And so there's just so many harmful effects um, that can come about by overuse of the cell phone.
3: I love this quote from Blaise Pascal. Blaise Pascal was the uh, French philosopher and, and inventor and theologian of the 1600s. He said this, The only thing that consoles us from our miseries is distraction. And yet this is the greatest of our miseries, for it is this which principally hinders us from reflecting upon ourselves. Distraction amuses us and leads us unconsciously to death. Mm. And I think that's what's taking place in so many lives where we're so distracted by our smartphone that we miss living. That's right. And uh, so let's talk about some practical things, Debbie, that parents can do in this era and age in which we live to counteract the addiction of the cell phone?
5: Well, I think first of all, there needs to just be some time within your home where it's a
3: no phone, s- zone. No
5: phone zone. And so if that's dinner time where everyone puts their phones up and no one answers their phone during your time around the table, maybe it's a, an, a designated hour after dinner where you just kind of spend time together as a family, but there needs to be... just a no phone zone. And that is not going to be popular with your kids. Your kids are not going to like that. But your job as a parent is not to be their buddy and is not to be their friend. Your job is to be their parent. And so sometimes as parents, we have to put down some hard rules that are not going to be very popular because we're taking the long look and we want what's best for our children. And I think that is one key thing is to make sure that you have some time in every given day that is a no-phone zone.
3: Well, I think one of the things that helped us, too, in parenting is we had uh, about four days a week, we sat down and ate dinner together.
5: At least four, yeah.
3: And uh, in today's world, where people are so busy, they're not doing that. And mm-hmm. so families are just eating on the run, eating on the fly. And so much of the time, they're eating and they're on their phones, all of them. Right. And so—
5: do ta- well, You see that in restaurants, when you go out to eat. Right.
3: Yeah, table, table time needs to be no phones. We, this is where we talk. This is where I know well the condition of my flocks and my herds. I can look into my children's faces and see how they're doing and ask them questions about things. And, you know, as they get older, they're not wanting to uh, to necessarily just spill all the time. Right. And so it takes uh, quantity time to get quality time. And, and so those two things are both very critical. But uh, the other thing about the smartphone era is: you have to operate your phones in the light. You can't operate in the darkness. You can't start sneaking around with your uh, with your iPad and your cell phone and uh, do some things that nobody else knows about. You're looking at things nobody else knows about. You're you're chatting and nobody else knows about this, and you got these secret accounts and all that stuff. Uh, The devil works in the secret places. And in the dark. And uh, sin dies when it comes into the light, but it thrives in the darkness. And so we have to operate and make that a rule of the home. Hey, we operate our smartphones in the light. We don't have secret things and secret accounts and secret places we're going. We're bringing this into the light.
5: Well, I think, too, even in terms of that darkness, your children do not need to have their cell phones in their bedrooms. They just don't need to, those need to be under a parent's jurisdiction when it comes time for bedtime. Um, Studies are showing that it's just disrupting kids' sleep so much because they're getting text messages and notifications all during the night that's waking them up, and it's interrupting their sleep cycles, and it's just not a good thing. So they really, once they turn in for the evening, whatever time that bedtime is for, for your child based on their age, they just do not need to have that phone in their room any longer. It needs to kind of be under under your lock and key.
3: Well, a study said that 82% of teens sleep with their phones. Right. And they don't get to sleep because it's always dinging and doing whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a study in the UK. Teens in the UK said this. Their number one need from their parents was to help them with sleep as it related to their phones because they weren't sleeping. Right. Because they were constantly looking for likes and comments and uh, you know followers and all that stuff, so that is very key. And uh, put put a curfew on the phone. Right. You know, at, hey, at this time we don't have it at the table. And at this time, uh, nine o'clock or whatever, ten o'clock. Hey, it goes in the it goes in the safe. Um, we're not gonna we're not gonna look at this anymore. Right. And that keeps too. Uh, That helps your kids not get in trouble with their phones as it relates to uh, pornography and chat rooms and things that that are going to be bad for them.
5: And what was the name of that site we talked about earlier that helps parents know how to police phones?
3: org. That's right. Uh, that, that is a great site for parents with teenagers because it, it uh, gives you insight into their world and, and things that – some of their lingo and some of the ways the they're
5: different tricks they have right, to
3: fool you. Right, because kids are ingenious mm-hmm. when it comes to tricking parents. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that is important. And then, you know, we just hold each other accountable. And we have to have honest conversations with our children to say, hey, you know, we believe that God's ways are right. We know that there are temptations out there. There are temptations for me, for Debbie, for any mom or any dad, and the temptations are there for the kids. And so we have to say, hey, we recognize their temptations, and so we hold each other accountable, not to hinder one another, but to help one another so that we don't fall in in a pit somewhere and then can't get out. And so accountability is key and critical if we want to walk with Jesus.
5: And I think uh, some personality types have a much harder a time they, um, handling the phone than others, because some personality types just lean themselves more to an addictive type of personality. And if you're one of those that struggles with keeping things in proportion and balanced in your life, and the cell phone can get out of control really, really easily. And you can see that difference even in your in the differences in your children. Some of your children might struggle more with that balance than than another child does, just because their God-given temperament kicks in to a certain extent there.
3: Well, we're getting ready to take a break, but I wanted to give you the number to call in, because this next segment, we're going to take call-ins. And so here is the number, 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. We're talking about parenting. We would love to take your call. And talk with you about this important subject. Hey, God has a plan for us as parents. He is for us and he's not against us. He wants to help us. He has grace to help in time of need and uh, he loves us. He loves our children and he wants to see us succeed as a parent.
5: And it's never too late.
3: It's never too late. God is the God of hope. No matter how badly you may have messed up, he has grace for you and he wants to restore. So we will talk to you after the break.
4: American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Butt, And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. AFA is pleased with President Trump's nomination of Amy Coney
0: Barrett as our next Supreme Court Justice. Judge Barrett opposes judicial activism, and she's a well-respected woman of faith. Liberal opposition to this nominee by anti-religious bigots will be intense. Now's the time to contact your senators and urge them to stand strong against the liberal tsunami of hate aimed at Judge Barrett. Email or call and urge your senators to confirm Amy Coney Barrett. Learn more at
4: afa.net.
3: Seven eight eight one eight one three. That's one eight hundred seven eight eight eighteen
0: thirteen. Look, it's a great question. And maybe you know the typical family saves five hundred dollars a month switching to MetaShare, but does it work? That's what Catherine was wondering when her family of five made the switch and then she was diagnosed with an advanced cancer.
1: Jeff. The surgeon's bill was 100000 The first call that I made to MediShare, I was prayed with and prayed for, and there were just no problems at all. I mean, we just have not had any problems.
0: So her need was met. And MediShare is a community of Christians who've now shared more than $4 billion of each other's health care bills. So many people are joining now wondering, why didn't we do this sooner? Catherine says her family has saved so much over the years.
6: The savings have been thousands and thousands and thousands.
0: So yes, it works. Find out how much you can save. It's easy. You can call now and get a price within two minutes. Here's the number, 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE.
3: 833-44-BIBLE. All right, welcome back. Pastor Jeff Shreve here along with my wife, Debbie. And I wanted to read to you from Ephesians chapter 5. The scripture says, beginning in verse... 15, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. We're talking about parenting, and we're talking about how we don't have what it takes to, to do the job. Uh, but God has given us his spirit as believers, and we can have strength and power as we trust him and as we yield ourselves to him.
5: So well, we, we ended that last segment with um, bringing up the fact that it's just never too late. And it's, it's important to know that because so often when you read books on parenting or you hear, hear people talk about parenting you can think, man, I I missed it. I I didn't have this information. I would have done things differently. It's too late for me. I've just really blown it. But God is the God that is uh, faithful and he's true. And he's the God that's the same yesterday, and today and forever. And it is never too late. If there's breath in your body and breath in your child's body, it is never too late to build relationship and to make
3: things right. That's very good. God is the God of hope. Romans fifteen thirteen is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, we want to go to the phone lines. We have Preston from Louisiana. Preston, welcome to the broadcast. Hello, how are y'all? Good, how are great. you?
0: Doing great, doing great. I just want to reach out and say, uh, I'm a new listener to this broadcast. Um, y'all do a great job, and I just want to reach out and send all my love and light and uh, praise and worship to y'all and to my Lord and Savior Jesus.
3: Amen. Well thanks for listening, Preston.:
0: Absolutely. A uh, quick question, y'all. So we came Father Roel. Um I'm with my fiance. She has a daughter. She's five years old. Um, she's not my biological daughter. I've never had a daughter. We've been together for about a year. We are engaged. Uh, and so I've kind of stepped up really big uh, as far as, you know, being that father role in her life and taking her to school and, you know, showing her about Jesus and God and trying to teach her how to pray and, you know, really be there for her in that sense. And it's, it's, it's a big feat, I'll be honest, uh, you know, going from, you know, never being a father before to taking care of a five-year-old girl. For sure. uh, and the question, another question that I had was, when is a good age to give your child a phone because she wants to start ballerina and she wants to go see her papa and this and stuff like that. What's a good age. Do y'all think that, that we should get her a phone? I know she's five, but what do y'all think?
3: Um, (laughs) Well, good question. Uh, I would be hesitant to do that uh, very soon at all. I I think I kind of look at it like this. So, uh, a child, phones are powerful things, just like an automobile is a powerful thing. And we say that a child can't get behind the wheel until they're 16 years old, till they're old enough to be able to handle that because they can kill someone with the automobile if they're, if they're not trained well and if they're not uh, mature enough to handle it. Now, I'm not saying you have to wait till 16 to get a, a cell phone. But i think you have to be old enough to be able to handle that and uh, i would if i were going to get a cell phone for uh, a younger child let's say uh, 10 or something like that i would put a lot of restrictions on it so they couldn't download apps they couldn't get involved in things like that
5: well we have a 10 year old granddaughter and she has a cell phone but it is an old old cell phone that is really just programmed to be able to use almost like a walkie talkie. And so she can contact my daughter through the phone, but that's about all she can do with it. And so if, she, if there's an emergency and, and her mom's not right there, she has a way to contact her mom, but she doesn't have access to necessarily call and talk to other people. Um, so it, it provides the protection element without providing the risk of all of the downsides of, of a cell phone
3: right and i think with our kids you know we need to be praying a hedge of protection around them from the evil one because even if they don't have a phone they're going to have friends that have phones and so show
5: them things right
3: they're they're going to be exposed to things and uh, as as much as we want as parents to keep our little darlings away from every single thing uh, we're not going to be able to do that and if you put too tight a, a leash on your kids they're going to rebel because you didn't give them enough space. Well, we are talking about parenting, and uh, we want to take your call. Here's the number, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We have Monica from Tennessee. Monica, welcome to the broadcast. Hello. Hi, how are you doing?
6: I'm doing
1: good, thanks. We good. Uh, listened to your preaching during our quarantine time when we weren't having church. really uh, appreciated that.
3: Oh, well, thank but you. I
1: wanted to say, uh, yeah, I work with small children in uh, preschool, and uh, parents need to talk to their children. We, You know, small children have to have a lot of words spoken to them to speak a lot of words back to you. Right. Uh, you know, you're building relationships, but you're also... You're getting that vocabulary in there, and you're just getting the speech and language that they need. Parents are spending, I think, too much time in front of a screen and right. not talking to their children. Young enough, even young, young age babies, you've got to talk to those babies. You've got to talk to those toddlers. You've right. got to read books to them. But we're just not talking enough to our kids. They don't learn the same from that screen, from that a phone, as they learn from speech, it it, I think, you use different parts of your brain for that kind of stuff. Right.
3: right, that's that's very good. That's a good point. And I think that uh, you know, when I would, when our kids were little, I always put them to bed at night. And I would always read them Bible stories. We had several books that were written for kids, Bible stories in, in different ways and fun ways and things like that. But I would read them those stories. And, you know, kids love repetition. So it's like, read me this story again This in certain ones. Sometimes I'd be tired and be like, let's do a short one in there, you <laughs> right. know, and, because they had this particular one they liked that was that was a lot longer. But uh, they loved that. And they loved to uh, to hear that story and to hear Dad pray for them and to... Uh, talk about things and uh so I think that uh that dads especially um you have a great opportunity when your kids are little to to build into them uh a love for the Lord and a desire for the Lord and to just build closeness where your kids know, hey, my dad is my he's my hero and he, he loves me and, and he's there for me and he puts me to bed every night. Uh that's a huge thing. So thank you for that, Monica. Uh, We have Mary from Pennsylvania. Mary, welcome to the broadcast. Can you hear me, Mary? Yes. All right, how are you doing?
6: Very good, thank you, how are you?
3: Well, I'm doing well. So glad that you've joined us today. Yeah, what's on your mind?
6: Well, I have a poem about cell phone versus the Bible. It's uh, not very long. Would you mind if I read it? Okay. All right, here goes. Cell phone versus Bible. Do you ever wonder what would happen if we treated our Bible like we treat our cell phones? What if we carried it around in our purses or pockets? What if we turned back to get it if we forgot it? What if we flipped it several times a day? What if we used it to receive messages from the text? What if we treated it like we couldn't live without it? What if we gave it to our children as gifts? What if we used it as we traveled? What if we used it in case of an emergency? What would happen if we used it around the table at mealtime? Oh, and one more thing. Unlike our cell phones, we don't ever have to worry about our Bible being disconnected because Jesus already paid the bill.
3: Oh, Amen, that's, hey, that's very good. That's very good. Thank you for sharing that, Mary. I appreciate it. We have Ryan from Oklahoma. Ryan, welcome to the broadcast. Ryan, are you there? Uh, yes. Yeah, how you doing?
0: Um, I'm doing well. How are you?
3: I'm doing well.
0: Well, I'm not a parent, But I did have an interesting question, and it's the argument of honor thy father and mother. And my parents always used that to encourage me to go out and do certain things. But when it came down to it, it kind of felt like the argument of honor thy father and mother was the argument of because I told you so. So where is the balance in honor thy father and mother?
3: Yeah, great question. Well, notice it doesn't say uh, that you know, children are to obey their parents in the Lord as long as the parents are telling their child to do things that are in the Lord, that are, that are you know, in the bounds of Scripture. As children, if your parents were telling you to steal or to do something you know, sinful, they would have to say, no, I can't do that. Um, I think we, we always do everything in an attitude of honor and respect for mom and dad. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're doing, especially as we get older, that we're doing everything that they say. Um, some parents have a hard time letting go of their children, and so you know, Genesis chapter two, for this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother and cling to his wife. Um, we don't we don't ever uh, dishonor them, but we're not under their authority as we get older, and so. Um, I think that some parents can try and use that as a club to get you to do what they want you to do, but uh, from the Lord, it's it's just honor them, give them that place of respect, and always treat them uh, with with the utmost respect because they're your mom and dad. But that doesn't necessarily mean you do everything they say. So that was a good question. I appreciate that so much. Uh, we have Lisa. From Texas, talking about cell phones for teens. Lisa, welcome to the broadcast. Are you with us, Lisa?
2: I am. Hello.
3: Hi, how are you doing?
2: I'm well, thank you. Um, I understand you're well, so I won't ask that question. (laughs) Um, So, we have a 13-year-old son, and... uh, we made the mistake of giving him a phone too early and much like your wife uh, talked about the different uh, children and having certain personalities, ours, unfortunately, uh, is more addictive prone. Uh, He has started or started years ago, I guess we're on year two now, of sneaking and doing everything. I mean, he... Eventually, had everything. He had the Xbox. He had the uh, all of these things to play videos, and he had a cell phone. And then I got the parental app where you can restrict. And then he figured out how to get around that sure. and turn that off. And he would uh, sneak his phone. And then he started. And we took that away, and he started sneaking other stuff. and And this is a child who otherwise knows the Word of God. He's uh, very Sweethearted boy. He normally does not lie. He reads scripture and participates actively. And it, it, his eyes, when he uses the phone uh, to game or otherwise do something, like I think one of you were talking about a blue light effect,
5: right. his
2: eyes turn black. And he became so angry, it was like something was growing in him. And so mm. I just want your callers to hear from an experienced mother, it's not worth it. I mean, we have taken everything from him, anything electronic. These these um, purposefully set programs are hurting our children. And when right. I hear people, anyone say, spend, allow five, six, seven hours of time on this phone it's it's amazing. We're as Christians, we're supposed to be of the you know, in the world but not of the world. We're not right. doing our children any favor no. by allowing our children to be on the phone. Like you said earlier, sir, that we have to be parents, not their friends. It's up to us to right. call the right. line and say you cannot have this phone. And and we're now dealing with the anger. Uh, my goodness, he got an old computer that was probably from 2007 out of, like, it was stored away. And I found him uh, with his eyes just at, because he was gaming uh, like an addict in his room under his bed and then when i found it again the next night he was at school and it was stuck under his bed Mm.
3: yeah well yeah that's a that's a sad thing to to hear lisa but you're doing the right thing by taking him away from those things obviously Uh, As Debbie said, some kids are going to be very, uh, with their personalities, it's just going to be an addictive personality, and they're not able to set that stuff aside, and it just takes control. And so uh, moms and dads have to be there to protect their children from uh, drugs, from alcohol, and from technology that can consume their soul. Well, we uh, have enjoyed this hour with you today talking about uh, parenting. You can always uh, listen to the broadcast uh, at afa.net. You can go back and listen to something um, from uh, days ago, from weeks ago, and so we encourage you to do that. Thank you for being with us today. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.